Welcome to Cottonmouth Manchester, a podcast brought to you by Cityco, the city centre management company for Manchester and Salford. I'm Vaughan Allen from Cityco, and we're continuing discussion around cultural venues, institutions, uh, their place in the city, uh, and their role with Manchester's communities. We're in the stunningly beautiful Manchester City Library and Archives, talking to Neil McInnes, the council's lead for libraries and galleries. Uh, the library on St. Peter's Square has always been a beautiful building, but it's gone through a huge refit over the past decade to make it ever more a centre of the city's cultural life. And actually walking through this morning, going to another event, walking through St. Peter's Square, uh, it's often thrown at Manchester that uh, we don't do public space very well. But I have to say that St. Peter's Square is absolutely stunning, particularly when it's out in the sun. The setting of the cenotaph is beautiful, the cross is beautiful, and the trams running through, they're beautiful in their own way as a sort of European city, and not towards a European city. Um, a bit of background, Neil. How long have you been involved with the libraries in the city and the archives and galleries? Uh, and what, what's been your path? Uh, I, I joined Manchester City Council in 2005, uh, having previously worked for Glasgow uh, City Libraries. Uh, I came here as Head of Service Improvement and became Head of Libraries uh, in 2010. Uh, I've been heavily involved in the transformation of Manchester Central Library, and in fact the transformation of the library estate across the entire city. Uh, and I've led on the £48 million refurbishment of Central Library, which uh, was reborn in March 2014, which is quite scary that it's almost five years ago. <laughs> when you came in, was that project already being planned? Was there a knowledge at, at that point that, you know, there was going to have to be a fairly major refit? In 2005, we were, we were when I joined the, the organisation, we were clear that Central Library really required some, uh, some TLC. It was a fantastic and stunning building architecturally, but the actual, the, the actually, the, the offer, the customer spaces, the customer journey, uh, and the customer expectation had changed from when obviously the library was first established in 1934, and when it opened in 1934, it was state of the art. It was, you know, purpose-built public library based on some of the best designs and library strategies that had been seen in America. So it was, it was, it was cutting edge. And what we wanted to do was reinvest and re, uh, see the rebirth of the library so ensure that it was fit for purpose for the 21st century. Take us back a bit uh, in the history of the library then. So it was starting 1934. Were there, was there a city library before that? Was it about the building uh, being put up at that point to be state of the art? How, did the, how has the libraries evolved within the city? Okay, the first, uh, the first um, iteration of the, the central library was actually down uh, near uh, the Museum of Science and Industry uh, in 1852, it opened there. It then moved to the former town hall in King Street. Was that, sorry, was that something organised by the sort of the great and the good at the time? Was yeah, that, yeah. 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 Uh, um, and, and then moved up to Piccadilly Gardens. Uh, and in 1934, this fantastic building uh, was opened by uh, the King and Queen. Uh, and is just one of the finest public libraries, in my opinion, although I'm slightly biased, in the, in the UK, if not Europe. And was it modelled on the British Library at the time? It was modelled uh, quite... A, the, the, the then chief librarian uh, did a study tour in the 20s of the States. And actually, it's quite interesting because I was in New York uh, last year, and actually some of the features that you see in New York's main library, you can actually see in the in Central Library in Manchester. So obviously, E. Vincent Harris, who was the architect and the chief librarian, managed to find some inspiration on the trip to the States. Uh, yeah, it's that ongoing conversation with New York that Manchester has always had, I think, uh, or certainly during the industrial era. And then over that, 
period from 1930 onwards, when I guess it was a classic civic library, and it, it was it was a centre of learning and a centre of knowledge for all strata of society during that that period. Did, did it then go? Sorry, did it then? start to decline or were there funding reasons towards the end of the 20th century that it, you started to need to look at uh, regeneration? I think uh, I think libraries were changing uh, across the country and there'd been some major library projects in some other some of the some other cities in the UK and I say a lot of um, major uh, library services were really rethinking the library offer and thinking about how they use space and actually how people want to use space. Uh, and we'd seen, we, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd seen good visitor numbers. We were roughly about a million visits per year in this building prior to closing uh, in 2010. Uh, but we, we had an ambition to, to double that, an ambition to reach new audiences, because the library was very much uh, well-loved. It's probably one of the most iconic buildings in the city. But a lot of our residents, a lot of our citizens, actually didn't think it was a place for them. So, yep, the students use the library. Yes, the academics use the library. Yes, researchers use the library. But actually, a lot of our, a lot of a lot of Mancunians didn't actually think it was a place for them. And it is quite an imposing building. Uh, you know, it's a very small entrance and a very grand portico. It didn't necessarily say come in. And what we wanted to do was break down some of those barriers, break down some of those walls, break down some of those myths that this was just purely central ref. It was actually a library of the people. And that really was what our thinking was about trying to, 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 to get funding to invest and then actually make sure the library was fit for purpose. But also as part of that journey, um, we had a fire in the library in 2000, March 2007 uh, that was in one of the, the workshops in the, the former library theatre. Um, but after that fire, which thankfully did not cause much damage to the library or to the collections, what we discovered was that the, the steel shelving that was that formed the basis of the building was structural and had that fire happened in the heart of the building that shelving would have collapsed within seven minutes and kind of when you know that doing nothing isn't necessarily an option yeah that must have come as a terrific shock that's that always those that story reminds me of every time where we want to put in almost anything in the city in the heart of the city in king street or whatever nobody actually knows what they're going to discover about six inches under the ground, the number of pipes, and it's always added as a zero to any work that's, that's going to be done at that time. I, I think it's really quite interesting that you're talking about uh, it being imposing and people not feeling like they wanted to come in when the role for all communities of that local library is has always been of, of a community space. So there was this huge disparity between what might be your local library in Gorton or wherever it would be and that view towards the, the city library. Um do you think that had always been the case, or do you think when it when it originally started in the thirties and 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 forties that it, it had been viewed more as a community asset? Was that something that that changed over time? Um, I think I think it's it's always been it's it's always uh, provided both roles. To be honest with you, uh, when the original library was opened, there was a small lending library in the ground floor that was called General Readers. And that was really a sort of leisure and lifestyle offer, just more I popular. There were no residents in the city centre, which was an issue, wasn't it? Exactly. I mean, the, city, the dynamic of the city centre has changed completely. I suppose that's actually that's another part of the thinking on how do we service that 
that city centre population, that city centre community. And actually what's really quite interesting is when you look at the use of the library now, actually people from outside the city centre are travelling in to use the library. So we really have, we've re really um, improved our game and improved the offer. But one of the things that's really important for us was also how we link Central Library with each of the other branch libraries as well and looking at a kind of hub and spoke model. So it wasn't Central Library or a branch library, it's Central Library and a branch library. And you know that's trying to look at how we can work more closely together with communities outside the city centre as well as those inside the city centre. So, I mean, I guess there have been, you're right in saying that there have been massive changes in, in how libraries have been presented. There have been closures, but also then redevelopment of central libraries, particularly, and, and a few major libraries around cities. Um, you'd seen that gradual evolution in the 80s and 90s that they'd started lending videos and CDs and various other things as well. Uh, but taking that huge jump into, okay, well, now we have the technology to allow access to archives on a in a much greater way, in a much more democratic way than we've ever been able to do before. Um, take us through the thinking about how you then got to the point of what you wanted to see in, in this building in terms of the service, the balance between books, between book, books and IT and allowing access to archives. But I guess also about how you thought about future-proofing it because it could have been very easy to open the doors and almost the power in a mobile phone was was greater the next day than than anything that you were allowing. How, how did that process work? I think, I mean, I've, I've always been, in all the years that I've worked in libraries, I've always really seen the potential to to be flexible and to look at future-proofing library services and li the library offer. And the library offer is really important. And we've been really fortunate in Manchester that we've had significant investment, not just in this building, but in our branch library estate as well. Uh, so actually 80% of our branch libraries are either new or relocated or have been refurbished over the past 10 years. And we have some stunning uh, branch libraries and continue to invest. We've just uh, completed a 2.1 million pound investment in IT to upgrade uh, our systems. But over the past 18, 20 years of the, sort of the internet age, we'd seen a change in use of how people engage with the library offer. A uh, major investment in the late 90s when the People's Network, which was a, a, a government-led programme to introduce PCs in libraries to allow people who didn't have access to a PC at home to have access to a PC in a community in a community venue and almost became like, I always call it public facing hot desking. Uh, so we've got 600 PCs across the city. But what we started to see as well from conversations with uh, residents was how people actually wanted to access space space was really important, not just for studying, not just for reading, but actually space to engage with other people. And I think that's where I see libraries have got a really vital role to play uh, in the city now and as, as, as a placemaker and how they contribute to placemaking as well around integration, around cohesion, around events, around activities and around programme. And we've started to co-design a lot of that by having strength-based conversations with our communities to say, what do you actually want? What is it What is it you need? I mean, I gave a presentation many years ago to the Youth Council and uh, one of the young lads stood up and said, you know what, Neil, no disrespect, you're kind of old, don't really want to hear this from you. And I said, well, why don't you then become a young ambassador? Why don't you start to engage with other young people and help us to understand what people want to see? We've talked in, in previous podcasts, actually, about uh, the role of... Uh, the building here, particularly in terms of bringing in communities and, and bringing in people who don't necessarily often feel that they have a home in the city centre or have anywhere particularly to go in the city, city centre. As you are planning the building, planning the changes and, and sort of wanting to get over that 
away from that feeling of this is a grand place that is only for the the, gra the great. Um, how much was was a deliberate policy? How much was happenstance? How much did you reach out and talk to community groups? You know, take us through that process. We did a lot of work. Um, I mean, one of the one of the main uh, pieces of the transformation was the new ground floor in the library, which creates the Archives Plus offer. There isn't a museum in the city that tells the history of the city. We have a dispersed museum, and we have a number of institutions that tell the social history of Manchester and beyond. And what we wanted to do was create uh, something in Central Library that was almost the starting point of that journey, where you could start to find little nuggets of information. And we had a, 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 a quite an extensive um, um, piece of engagement with, with young people uh, asking what they wanted to see because at that point in time we actually we were of the, the belief that actually digital was really important and what was really interesting was actually it was physical uh, and what people had said you know yep yeah, we've, we've got digital we've got our devices we've got our phones we want physical place where we can engage with uh, collections archives and people that was really important and actually the digital sometimes then leads to a physical visit but again in the archives element of the the ground floor where we have the eight exhibition units again we initially felt that that would be a digital connection but again what people said no we want to see real stuff uh, and we really understood the value of the you know the, the combination of physical and digital so is there an ongoing relationship with community groups around the city? I mean, we're in the middle of November here, so obviously there's a lot of stuff around remembrance, particularly, and uh, the direct experience of communities of their great-grandfathers, I think, on many occasions. Um, how is that? Is that programmed in-house? In how, how has that worked with community groups in, in terms of using those exhibition spaces? There's a combination. We have some. We, we were successful in getting some HLF funding to support the the, the, the delivery of services uh, through Archives Plus, and Archives Plus, I should say, is made up of the Northwest Film Archive, which is part of Manchester Metropolitan University. We have the Race Relations Collection, which is part of the University of Manchester. We have the Greater Manchester County Record Office in here. We have BFI MediaTek, Manchester and Lancashire Family History Society, and the City Archive. So we have a number of organisations working in partnership who each engaging with different groups uh, and, and in order to, uh, to, to um, promote the collections, promote what we have, promote our stories and encourage more conversations. But we work really closely with a number of schools, closely with um, the Historic England Schools Programme and really using the collections to help explain and articulate the history of the city and the history of the city's people. We have a lot of, the, the beauty of having the network of 21 libraries across the city as well means that we can then engage with local communities and try and co-curate activity and material that can then be displayed in Central Library. And in fact, when we, when we opened the library in 2014, uh, we invited residents from each of the 32 wards in the city to come in as part of the preview, because what we wanted to do from day one was ensure that the Central Library was the city's library, not just the city centre library, so that anyone in Withenshaw, Harper Hay, Basic believed it was a place for them, and we've been really successful in getting people in from different communities, different neighbourhoods, to access what is their central library. You talked about access to some of the archive collections. What we didn't talk about, of course, is uh, book collections as well. Um, presumably, you're still maintaining book collections. Obviously, there are still book, books here. Uh, are you are you still collecting? In yeah. terms of books and and still uh, enhancing that offer, is that something to do with the, then the connection to all the other libraries as well? 
what's really interesting is um, Manchester is bucking the trend in relation to library services. So we had 2.9 million visits in the last year across the city. 1.7 of those in Central Library, 2.9 across the entire city. We've also seen for the first time in many years an increase in book lending, which I'm, I think is just fantastic. Now that does include our free ebook service as well. And we have got a real focus. One of the things that's coming up in Central Library to mark the fifth anniversary is how we can actually further, uh, further promote uh, reading and reading for pleasure. Uh, we are part of a Read Manchester campaign, which is a citywide campaign about really encouraging people of all ages to read. Uh, so we'll be doing some, some stuff in the, the in the library in the lower ground floor of the Town Hall Extension next year that actually creates uh, a, a real place to encourage reading, be it in the library or reading and lending books to take home. And I suppose that connects to, I mean, Manchester, it's probably not... Uh, in the awareness of maybe 70% of, of the audience in Manchester, but with things like the Manchester Literature Festival, with, with work towards us being a, a city of poetry and various other things, there, there are actually quite a lot of strains that have developed in the last decade that are around literature, words, and so on generally. Um, and there's actually quite, it, it, it certainly isn't seen as something that's locked safely in the past. It's actually a living, breathing thing. I mean, Manchester was awarded a UNESCO City of Literature last year, which we're absolutely delighted about, and we're just developing our plans and how we, how we take that forward. But actually, when you start to capture uh, what's happening across the city in relation to literature, books and reading, it is quite phenomenal. It is absolutely quite phenomenal. And being a United uh, UNESCO City of Literature allows us to actually pull that together and strengthen that. Uh, the relationship that we have here with the, the Literature Festival is tremendous. And the library has now become one of the main hubs for the Literature Festival, regularly attracting 250 plus to an author event. And actually what's been really interesting is the demographic of that audience. And there are people that will come to things in Central Library that might not necessarily go to another venue in the city, that might not go down to, uh, uh, you know, to the university, that might not go into a museum or a gallery. But the Central Library is a neutral space. It's their space. And people now, through the refurbishment, through the transformation, now actually, they, they own it. It's their space. Yeah, it's interesting you say that there's a resurgence in book lending, I guess, at the same, a similar time to where we're actually seeing a resurgence in bookshops as well. Uh, people moving back to that physical object and realising that perhaps there are, there are certain types of books, particularly, that uh, don't work that well on digital, uh, which, which I think is uh, really encouraging, and, and particularly working in an organisation that, that represents real retailers. That's always a good thing for us to, us to see. Um, uh, two, two questions. I mean, we talked a lot about the... Uh, the place, uh, the relationship between here as the central library and, and the city's other libraries. What about more widely in Greater Manchester? Is there a, is there a wider network of libraries as well? So we have, there, there are 10 library services in Greater Manchester and um, each of the, 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 there's 10 me's, God forbid, but each of the, each of the heads, of, heads of service, we've signed a, a memorandum of understanding where we work more closely together. And there's actually 134 branch libraries across Greater Manchester in the 10 boroughs. We've been quite successful over the past few years in joint funding bids. So last year, uh, we received £250,000 uh, from the Arts Council for a, a, a joint programme of activity to support startup and small and medium-sized uh, enterprises. And it was around encouraging people to explore maybe an idea that they had, 
using the resources of the library and to give them confidence. And that was the biggest award from that programme of the Arts Council came to Greater Manchester. And we've also got a long-standing series of um, joint working around procurement, around um, stock, sharing stock, sharing material, sharing online resources, and a number of shared posts as well that work across the conurbation. And then how does the library service work with other, for one of a term, cultural venues? Because you talked about being head also of, or lead of, of, of galleries and so on, so uh, which also have their own archives, also have their own collections. I certainly got a sense when I first came into the city that, that there were an awful lot of silos where, you know, theatres didn't really talk to galleries, didn't talk to whatever. Has that changed a lot? I think the, I think the, the, the cultural partnership in the city has really evolved and I think there's a real willingness in the city for the institutions to work more closely together. And I think what's really important for libraries is libraries actually have an audience that many other cultural institutions would kill for. Yeah, so we work really closely with uh, one of our key partners is Manchester Museum. And Manchester Museum have been working in our branch libraries. Uh, Royal Exchange working in our branch libraries up in Abraham Moss. Uh, Home working closely with us in their branch libraries. And what we're trying to do now is we have 22 libraries across the city. Central Library is clearly a major player in the cultural ecology, but also now trying to promote our branch libraries as cultural and community hubs in their neighbourhoods. And actually that's really important for some of those residents who may not come in to the city centre that actually we can work with other institutions and they can take material, collections, activity and programme out. We did a, a lovely piece at Longsight Library uh, last year with the Manchester Museum where they actually were successful in getting some funding to install two uh, exhibition cases in the library. It's the second busiest library in the city, uh, and they um, they gave us a, a they kindly gave us a, a crane and a peacock, and arranged a, a piece of activity uh, around South Asian uh, poetry, music, uh, words, language, uh, working with young people and families in Longsight, and the hope that actually what that might then lead to is maybe some of those residents then going up to Manchester Museum, if not. Fine, but at least they've had a bit of that experience. So really looking at, we're really pushing the boundaries now as to how other institutions can use our space. And, and is that then when you're looking at refurbing li libraries, does that then affect the design? Because you're having to put presumably in exhibition space and event space, which certainly traditionally you wouldn't have been thinking about doing in a library. I think what we're looking at now is trying to be really as flexible as possible and adopt almost like a retail approach so that previously you know when I started in libraries a thousand years ago um, you know the shelving went in and that was it well actually now how can we how we get how can we get mobile shelving in how can we have flexible spaces that you know that we can that we can work around also how can we start to use our libraries outside normal opening hours and that improves the flexibility uh, and that's that's something we've been really working on uh, how other organizations and other institutions can use the library when it's traditionally a closed day there's no reason why somebody else can't use that space uh, and that's been quite successful that model's been quite successful uh, at three of our branch libraries at Withenshaw, north city library in harper hay and Longsight. through arts council funding we've created the started to use them as creative spaces and having you know, uh, after dark activity. So just really thinking differently about how spaces can be used. And actually there's no daft ideas. Let's just try it. 
and I suppose after the last uh, whatever it is, ten years or so of, of of cuts and so on, where you where you've lost a lot of youth services that are or services generally, not just youth services that are out in communities. The fact that you can maintain the libraries. I mean, what, what's interesting here is you see in the city library runs straight through to the town hall extension, where you, and then straight through to the new police station that's here or the police desk that's here, and so connecting all of those services and becoming a proper civic center in in the old world you're doing that out in the communities as well and it, and it becomes that that civic space and that representation not just the council but of the communities themselves absolutely and you know we're just about to embark in uh, in levensham uh, on, on, on our project where the library on a friday evening will be a youth space and starting to look at how we strand the offer in certain venues at different times and certainly we do that in central library as well so if we want to do a targeted activity or some other group wants to come in and do a targeted activity we can do that you know you know arcadia library in levenshire is open 90 hours per week so if two hours per week we're saying it's only for young people that's fine and the flip side of that for example at moss side in the powerhouse we have a what was originally designed as a young person's library well, actually, what we've now started to do is, is during the day is encourage other residents to use the space. So it's really just thinking about how we target, how we program, uh, and how we look at our audience development across the, across the city. And presumably, I mean, you mentioned it a couple of times, this has to be massively co-produced with the local communities because otherwise there's just not going to be ownership. Um, how do you, as a team, give up control in terms of actually how you're going to develop, you know, what could be quite expensive initiatives uh, to those local communities who, who don't have your background and your, your knowledge in, in how libraries work. I think that's probably been one of the one of the biggest parts of the transformation over the 10 years. Uh, and actually, you know, you mentioned austerity and there has been budget pressures. And actually, it, that's kind of made us have to do things differently and look at, um, look at how we do things. And actually that co-design, that co-curation is absolutely critical to the success of the venue. Uh, it used to be a library for the people, it's actually a library of the people. And you know, I've, you know working closely with colleagues in, uh, you know, in museums and galleries, because that thinking is changing about how actually the, all of those spaces are actually used and programmed. And actually, you know, we, we do fun palaces once a year, uh, which is a national thing, and everyone's an artist, everyone's a scientist. And that's about talking to the local community and seeing what strengths they have, and they can showcase some of their talents. And actually, even with our own staff, you know, things that they are actually, they can excel at that is not what would be seen as normal traditional library work. So it's a really, it's a really exciting way of actually animating and activating spaces. but. Don't get me wrong, for some I'm people... I'm sure there are challenges. There are some well. challenges for that. <laughs> uh, you talked a little bit about uh, funding. Um, I mean, how has the, the funding landscape changed? Are you having to generate a lot more yourself? We've, um, I mean, we have, we have, like all local local services, have been uh, subject to some, some serious funding challenges. Uh, at the same time, though, we've looked at different ways in which we can bring uh, new funding into the organisation and one of the things that we established in 2012 was a development trust for Central Library uh, and that is not, that's not to do with the governance or the operation of the library but it was creating a, a charitable body that could actually look at funding sources that local authorities aren't eligible for and since we reopened, since we established that in 2012 we've, uh, we've generated nearly a million pound of additional uh, 
funding over that over that period. Some of that is restricted funding, some of that was just, uh, related to the building, but some of that has actually allowed us to uh, improve our offer and our programme. So we, we don't open on a Sunday in this building, but through the trust, we have actually managed to receive funding from other charitable trusts that have allowed us to open the library five times a year on a Sunday. And that's got a firm focus on families and young people. So, and we try to tie that in when something else is happening in the city. One of the other major strands of the library strategy is that Central Library is part of everything that's happening in the city centre. Be it the Literature Festival, the Jazz Festival, Manchester International Festival, embedding it in. So, for example, on Chinese New Year is one of our busiest days, and obviously a proximity to the to the Chinese community. But we had, you know, we had nine dragons in the library. I'm not competitive, but that was the most dragons in the city centre. Yeah, City Go. The bid had the biggest, I think, in Goldie. But yes, uh, no, I, I remember that. And actually, um, I think one of the one of the fascinations sometimes, uh, and I think something that we all need to get better at in Manchester is actually um, talking a little bit more about all the things that we are doing at the same time. Because we uh, no, we did we did know about all the things that were going on, but our hosts that were out on the street actually heard most about how good that was from the public who were coming back to see the dragon or see other things that were happening in the retail centre. So I think that's wonderful. Um, I guess the major thing, I mean, we covered a lot of areas here. So you talked a little bit about refitting some some other other libraries and some of the work that you want to do here. What do you see the, the, the next time horizon, the next five, ten years? What, what do you want to see happen to the library services and to this building itself? How do you want to see them develop? I think the key for me, particularly in our, uh, our network of branch libraries, is how we unfreeze those community assets and look at how people can engage in them out of ours and how we can extend. Um, we're actually about to, to um, introduce some new technology at Withington Library, uh, which is called Open Open Plus Open Libraries, which allows uh, people who are registered uh, with a library card to access the library out of hours uh, through the library card. So like the sort of gym model, so with a PIN number, and then they'll gain access. And we're doing that as a pilot to see how that works. Is, uh, sorry, is anybody else doing that in the, in the country? Uh, there's another, uh, Tameside are doing it, uh, uh, Stockport are doing it, and a number of other authorities, a lot of European library services. I mean, what I'm really keen to do, and work closely with colleagues uh, across Europe and trying to understand what best practice is. And actually what's been really good since we've reopened this library is the amount of European colleagues that come to Manchester to see what best practice is. But I think there's, there's, there's different ways of looking at how we can extend access to our libraries as spaces. And as I say, not just for people that want to access traditional library services, but actually how other groups, other community groups and other organisations can make best use of those community assets. And then have you got specifically a uh, rather major year in terms of Peterloo next, next year and so on? Uh, have you got some... What exhibitions have you got coming up? What projects in the next year or so have you got coming up? We, well, Peterloo is, 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 is a biggie for us. Uh, and we're working really closely with the Manchester Histories uh, Festival. And the library will be the hub for Peterloo events, um, which we're just delighted with. Since the closure of the Town Hall as well with the Histories Festival, we've become the hub for the Histories Festival, which is just phenomenal. Uh, and we're actually looking at extending our exhibition programme uh, as well. It's interesting because, again, previously we would we would look at exhibitions maybe six to eight weeks in advance. Now we're looking at them three years in advance, uh, which has been quite a steep learning curve for a library offer, a library service as well. Um, but no, we've got, we've got a lot of stuff coming up, but really focusing on our children's families and our young group, our, our young people. 
and seeing how we can work with young people to also again co-curate activity in this building. So overall, the uh, the uh, the death of the libraries has been much over-reported, I think. Massively, massively successful, at least in Manchester. This is Manchester. We do things differently here. Excellent quote to end with. Thank you to Neil. And we'll be talking about other cultural venues uh, and their associates in the near future. If you have any comments or ideas for things to cover, you can talk to us on Twitter at CottonmouthMCR or through email on podcasts at city.com cityco.com you'd think i'd get that right after 49 episodes wouldn't you uh we have a christmas special coming up as the last one of the season where we're going to look at the state of manchester uh otherwise we will be back in the new year please leave a review if you like what you hear. Bye.